Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I'm going to be teaching on spiritual laws that govern life and death. Spiritual laws which God established when He created the worlds that govern the spirit of the law of life in Christ Jesus and, of course, the law of sin and death which was released by Adam when he disobeyed God. So in order to lay a foundation, I am going to read two verses of Scripture, one from the Old Covenant and one from the New Covenant. In the Old Covenant, we will look at and read together Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19. And this is God speaking to His people through Moses, and He says to them, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your descendants may live. And then in Romans chapter 8, verse 2, Paul writing to the church in Rome says the following in verse 2, For the law of sin and death, for the law, sorry, of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. So uh, when you have time, I would like you to have a look at this verse from the book of Romans and meditate on it. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. So when God created the worlds, both the physical, natural, and the spiritual world, He set in motion certain laws so that life and order is preserved and maintained. Now, these laws exist to maintain the harmony and the cooperation between the two worlds, the natural and the spiritual. Please notice that Romans chapter 8 verse 2 says that both the, the law of the Spirit that releases life and freedom in Christ Jesus and the law of the power of sin and death, both of them are spiritual laws. Because it says the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets us free from the law of sin and death. And both of these laws, these are spiritual laws, both of them are functioning in our world today. So, the law of sin and death was introduced not by God. It was introduced and released in our world by Adam through his disobedience to the Lord. When he disobeyed the Lord, he opened the door and released another law, which is called the law of sin and death. And under the law of sin and death, 
is all of the, the curse of the law, sickness, disease, fear, uh, death, all of those things come under the heading of the law of sin and death. But the law of life and freedom was introduced and released in our world by Jesus Christ through his obedience to the Father. And you can read that in your own time in Romans chapter 5, verse 19. So you will see in this study that we are doing today how these two laws are set in motion by the choices we make, by our actions, and of course the words that we speak. They will either, these laws will either work for us or against us, to bless us, to empower us, or to weaken and enslave us to the elements of this natural world by limiting our potential in the Lord. If these laws that I am sharing with you today, and I pray that the Lord will give you revelation knowledge concerning this study today, if these laws are understood and practiced, they will literally transform our way of life and the way we choose to conduct ourselves in this physical world. We need to understand that as human beings, we live and work in two worlds at the same time, the natural world and the spiritual world. And the reason being, of course, is because we are not just physical beings, but primarily we are spiritual beings. We have a soul and we live in this body. This body gives you the right and the authority to live and work on this planet called Earth. That's why the moment we put off our body and we die physically, we cannot remain on this Earth. We have to get out of the Earth. But what gives us authority is our physical body. So, we function simultaneously in two worlds. The Word of God says that if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. What we do and say in this natural world has a major effect or impact in the world of the Spirit, which ultimately determines the issues of life. Our choices, the choices that we make, our words and actions, resound in the world of the Spirit, and they set in motion spiritual laws that will work either for us or against us. They are the catalysts, our words, our actions, they are the catalysts in releasing spiritual forces that will either engage God to work on our behalf, releasing His favor, His power, and His blessing in our lives, or engage the devil's destructive power against us. And I'm going to prove that to you from the scriptures. I want you to turn with me to James chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. 
the Apostle James in his epistle confirms the statements that I have just made to you. James chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. James says, And so the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries great power. Just think of how a small flame can set a huge forest ablaze. And the tongue is a fire. It can be compared to the sum total of wickedness and is the most dangerous part of our human body. Did you know that? That your tongue is the most dangerous part of your body. It corrupts the entire body and is a hellish flame. It releases a fire that can burn throughout the course of human existence. Powerful words. James says the tongue can release hellish fire that can burn throughout the course of human existence. Now these very words from the Apostle James ought to shock us into a spiritual awakening concerning the tremendous power and authority we have been given through the words that proceeds out of our mouth. And let me say this, because of our spiritual ignorance concerning these laws in the domain that I'm speaking about, we often say and do things in the natural realm that set in motion spiritual laws which will work against us. Now look at Proverbs chapter 6, verse 2, just to prove what I just said. I want to speak from the Scriptures. What does the Bible teach concerning these laws? Proverbs 6, verse 2 says, You are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. This verse of Scripture in Proverbs 6, 2 reveals to us a spiritual law that is set in motion by our words. The word snared means trapped. We fall into many traps often by the very words we have spoken and continue to speak. And many of us don't realize that our biggest problem is our mouth. Our mouth becomes the launching pad of spiritual forces that are much more destructive than ballistic missiles. Hard to believe, but it's true. You see, physical weapons can destroy the body, but they can do nothing to the soul. But words can destroy both body and soul. In the world of the spirit, words are mighty. They are powerful because they are spiritual containers which carry within them the power of life and the power of death. Once released through the mouth, they will set in motion laws that govern both the spiritual and the natural world. They will either release 
the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, or they will release the law of sin and death. Because of our ignorance concerning these laws, we end up so many times blame, blaming everything and everyone else, including God, for what we are experiencing, rather than our disobedient mouth that repeatedly uttered words that empowered the enemy against us. You see, the devil has no authority over you, none whatsoever. But the authority that he has is the authority that you give him by your words, your actions, and your decisions. He has to usurp authority. He has none. So he has to deceive you in order to speak words and do things that will work against you. It's important to understand that. Now, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The Passion Translation says the same verse, Your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life, and the talkative person will reap the consequences. Have you ever heard the statement, he ate his words, or he made him eat his words? I've heard that statement a number of times. That is exactly what Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 20 says. Now listen carefully. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, and from the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Did you get that? I'm going to read it again because it's so deep and so powerful, yet so simple. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, and from the produce of his lips he shall be filled. When God wanted to rescue us from the dominion of darkness and bring us into the kingdom of his dear Son, he sent his word wrapped up in the flesh. Amen? He sent his word wrapped up in the flesh. That was Jesus. Words is what God uses today to save and deliver people from their destructions. Psalm 107, verse 20, a very well-known verse, says, He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. God doesn't send an army. God doesn't send an angel. He sends His word in order to do His work. Now, you may say, well, it's just words, and I didn't really meant them when I said them. Well, you may not have meant them, but those words resounded in the world of the Spirit, and the devil heard them and made note of them, especially if you keep repeating words that are destructive, words that will work against you, at an appropriate time, not when you speak them, when you utter them, an appropriate time, he will, that is the enemy, he will oblige you 
and give you what you said, making you eat the words of your mouth. That is the hard truth. Spiritually uneducated people, that's why I'm teaching these lessons to give you revelation knowledge and understanding concerning the laws that God set in motion for your good, for life, for blessing, and not for cursing. Spiritually uneducated people continue to fall into the devil's traps and they don't realize that what they are experiencing very often is a direct result of what they have been saying all along, perhaps for months and for years. I am doing what I'm doing today because many years ago and since then I have been speaking words of life concerning my future and my destiny. My prayers and my words have guided me to the place where I am today. I had to make choices. I had to speak words. I had to engage actions of faith in order to get where God destined me to get. I didn't get here by accident. There is no such a thing as luck in the world of the Spirit. You create your own world by the words, your actions, and the decisions you take every day. You see, the devil hides these truths from us. Why? So that he can continue to dominate us and control us, even though he has no authority over us. The revelation and implementation of these principles I'm sharing with you today will set you free from the dominion and the authority of the evil one. You're already free from his authority. So when we learn to skillfully and wisely use words which are compatible and in agreement with what God has spoken over our lives, we will create the kind of world we want to live in. Are you out there? You don't like the world you live in, change it. You have the ability, you have the authority, and you have the power to change your world. God designed it that way. Now, what seems to us as insignificant in the natural will often release a host of angels carrying out the will of God on our behalf by bringing to pass what God intended for us from the beginning of time. And I want to give you a scriptural example how God used four lepers. Lepers uh, in those days were the outcasts. Nobody paid any attention to them. They put them out of the camp, out of the city. And yet God used the steps the insignificant steps of four lepers to chase an army of thousands of people that were coming against Samaria. In the Old Testament, we read the, we read the story in 2 Kings chapter 7, where God spoke through the mouth of the prophet Elisha, and he declared deliverance to the inhabitants of Samaria who were besieged by the king of Syria, 
causing severe famine and resulting in the death of many. You know, the Bible says that so severe was the famine that a donkey's head was sold for 80 pieces of silver and a cup of dove's dung was sold for five pieces of silver. Can you imagine the severe famine that besieged the city of Samaria? Many died. In the midst of this crisis, the Bible speaks of four lepers who sat outside the city gate, and they became instrumental by releasing through their actions of faith a host of angels. And the angels chased the Syrians back to the back to the country. And let's pick up the story from here. And we read that in 2 Kings chapter 7, beginning with verse 3 through to verse 8. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they say to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall only die. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of great army. So they say to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight, and they left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and they carried some more from these also and they went out and hid it. You see, in order to deliver the city from the famine and to fulfill the prophetic words which were spoken by the prophet Elisha, that the famine will end, God used the actions of the four leprous men to scatter the Syrian army. When they started walking towards the camp, God took that sound of their steps and they sent a message into the realm of the Spirit and they released a host of angels against the Syrians. You see, the steps of these four lepers were steps of faith which echoed in the world of the Spirit and they sent a loud and a clear message that struck the Syrians' heart with fear and terror causing them to flee. You see, these men walked to the camp of the enemy thinking they were going to die. And that took a lot of courage and a lot of faith. But God used their feeble steps to release the noise of chariots and horses. The Bible says the noise of a great army causing massive panic and fear in the enemy's camp. You may think 
listen carefully now, that your words or your actions of faith feeble. You may think they feeble. You may think they insignificant. But in reality, they resound in the world of the Spirit, sending a clear message of terror to your invisible enemies that are bent on destroying you and your family. That's why you should always be speaking the promises of God. The promises of God should continue coming out of our mouth in whatever circumstances we find ourselves. Because if God is going to do great and mighty things for you, He needs something from you. He needs the substance of faith. So when you speak those words of faith, you are releasing spiritual, invisible power that God can take and do what you have asked Him to do or what you are speaking. You see, and that's what the Scripture says. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. Listen to what God says. God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. God chose things the world considers foolishness in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. Why, did, why does God do that? So that no one can boast or glory in the presence of God. That's why. You see, few words from God spoken by faith through your mouth can cause massive realignment to your existence, reposition your life to a place of blessing and prosperity. And that's exactly what happened when you got born again. You spoke words with your mouth. You confessed Jesus as Lord believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you got born again. It's written in the scriptures, Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You see, your words, your mouth, your tongue brought salvation to you. You believed with your heart. You said words with your mouth, which delivered you from the dominion of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of, of God's dear Son. You see, the world may think, ah, that's insignificant, that's just words. But in the realm of the Spirit, words are the most powerful weapons in the universe. And I'm saying that over and over again to establish in your mind how valuable are right words, faith words, love words. Amen? If words have such power to deliver you from death unto life, then imagine what else they can do for you. 
Let me give you another example. The centurion in Matthew chapter 8 who came to Jesus, recall that, seeking his help for his servant who was paralyzed, understood the power and authority of words, especially the words that came from Jesus' mouth. Do you recall what he said to the Lord when he said that he would come and heal his servant? It's recorded in Matthew 8, verse 8. The centurion said, when Jesus said, I'll come and heal your servant, the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. You see, the centurion understood the power and authority of words. The centurion placed so much faith and confidence on the words of Jesus that caused the master to marvel at this man's great faith. Why is it so difficult for us today to believe the words of the Lord? Why is it so difficult to trust what he said and base our lives and entire existence on his very words and conduct our lives accordingly? It was Jesus who said in Mark eleven twenty three, you can have whatever you say if what you say is accompanied by faith from your heart. That's exactly what Jesus said. And he said, whosoever, whosoever can do that. Doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from, what your nationality is, what your education is. God has set spiritual laws in motion. And you are the one who can release those laws. Jesus said, you can have whatever you say if, there's the condition, if what you say is accompanied by faith from your heart. Now, this is a spiritual law that will work for whosoever will put it to work. Despite of what Jesus said, we continue to speak and say words that release fear, sickness, disease, poverty, death, and destruction to our lives. How often do we say, I'm afraid of this, or I'm afraid of that, or that tickles me to death, or this, and we say words that are unprofitable. Jesus said that we will give an account for every idle word that we have spoken. We must come to the place where we realize the value and the authority and the power of the words that we speak. I think the reason, one of the reasons we don't trust the Word of God is because we don't trust our words. We make a promise and we break it. We say we're going to do something and we don't do it. Are you with me still? You're not upset with me. Are you getting the truth? (laughs) So let me say this. If you are not happy with what you are experiencing in life, Check and see what kind of words you have been speaking. Not just today, not just yesterday. Go back. 
What words have you been speaking and releasing into the world of the Spirit? Some of us need to pray for a crop failure. Lord, I repent for my disobedient mouth that I have uttered words that are not in agreement with what you have spoken over my life. You said I am blessed and I didn't believe it. You said that I am this and I didn't believe it. And I spoke something else. I'm just so weak. I'm just so unworthy. I'm just so alone. All of those words are releasing. Oh, I can't do this and I can't do that. And the moment you said you can't, weakness just rose over you and bound you. The word of the Lord says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. So, the primary ministry, ministry of the believer. You are a believer, I'm a believer. What is our primary ministry on this earth? Why did God leave us here and he didn't take us home the moment we were got born again? Because there's work to be done, folks. So, our primary ministry is to bring heaven to earth and restore God's order to a fallen world. Jesus taught us to pray this way. He said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. So when heaven's influence enters our world, order and blessing is restored. Every believer has been given a sphere of authority and influence. You have been given a sphere that you have influence over and authority. That's your world. It is in those spheres of authority that is given to you by God that he expects you to bring heaven's presence into your world. How do we do that? Well, that's what I've been teaching you. By releasing the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. How do we bring heaven into our world? By words and actions of faith. The way we live and conduct ourselves here on earth sends a clear message into the world of the Spirit. And then, when those actions are done by faith, when those words are spoken by faith, they send an invitation into the world of the Spirit and that invitation, depending on the words we speak and the actions we take, that invitation will either go to the Lord or to the devil. It depends whose words you speak. They can either attract heaven's presence or the destructive influence of the enemy. They echo loud in the world of the Spirit. So, many have no clue that we are in a spiritual warfare, a conflict so vast that is beyond the grasp of the natural mind. Every single day, if God were to open our eyes in the realm of the Spirit and we see the battles that are going on there for the souls of men, I believe we will never be the same again. 
You see, when God created the worlds, both the spiritual and the natural, as I've mentioned to you, and I'm saying it again, he set laws and principles in motion so that they can function the, the worlds in perfect order. But when those laws are ignored or violated, God's order is disturbed and we pay the price and sometimes we pay the ultimate price. For example, in the natural, we have the law of gravity. Why? To hold things together and in order in the physical realm. That's why you don't land on your head. Gravity holds your feet on the ground. Now, when that law is ignored or violated, you may believe it or not, you will pay the price. You may say, well, I don't believe in that. Like so many people say, well, I don't believe you can have what you say. Well, you're having exactly what you say. Are you listening to me? Whether you believe it or not, spiritual laws, they will work. They are laws. They work for believers and unbelievers alike, just like the law of gravity. Let me give you another law. We have rules that govern the flow of traffic on the roads. Why? So that order is maintained. Unless you live in Zimbabwe. <laughs> hey, Tom. <laughs> I, saw some, I saw some things on the road. My goodness. Anyway, so when those rules or laws are violated, we also pay the price. I mean, how many people have lost their lives because they violated the rules of the road? Every day people are killed. We also have laws where individual and private property is concerned. Amen? You cannot go into your neighbor's house and steal his furniture or anything else for that matter. If you do and you get caught, you go to jail because you violated a law. That's a natural law. doesn't matter whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, black or white. Amen? So, so it is in the spirit. Just like these natural laws work, they function, so there are laws in the spirit world. They are spiritual laws which God set in motion to maintain divine order and harmony in the world of the spirit. There are principles also that govern harmonious relationships. When, when those, those principles or laws are ignored or violated, we pay a heavy price. You want a happy, successful marriage? Well, the Word of God says, Husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Wives, be in subjection to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Those are laws that will work. If you don't follow them, well, you're not going to have a happy marriage. You may end up in divorce. Amen? We've got to think like this. So, there are 58, I think, instructions in the New Testament concerning harmonious relationships. We cannot ignore them because we think they don't apply to us. The law says, or the Word of God says, forgive your brother just like God forgave you. Oh, you don't know what he's done to me. I can't do it. Well, God would be unjust if he tells you to do something that you cannot do. You don't want to. That's the problem. 
You'd rather hold that. But you violate that law, sooner or later you will pay the consequences. Amen? So, if God says, and He does, that our words and actions are sending a clear message to the spiritual world, we better believe it and learn how to prayerfully and skillfully use our words. And in closing, I want to share this with you, just one more scripture. God said to Jeremiah in the Old Covenant the following, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth, and see, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms, to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. God empowered Jeremiah, how? By putting his words in his mouth to do great and mighty things for God. He said, even nations you will root out. And you know, God did the same for you and me. He gave us his words. Why? To build a life and a future that is blessed for us and our children and our children's children and create a world that we want to live in. Use words, therefore. My brother, my sister, use words wisely. Words that release the favor of God on your life and the life of those you love and care for. My entire life's work and ministry is based on words. That's why I said earlier, some folks work with their hands, others work with their mouth. I use words to minister and encourage people. I use words to teach and educate them in the things of God. And I use words to tear down the devil's work. And I use words to build up and edify the body of Christ. You can do the same. If you understand the value of your words, the most precious gift that God has given us is His Word, the living Word, which is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your precious Word today. We thank you for revelation knowledge. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us understanding, spiritual understanding and knowledge concerning the spiritual laws that you have established both in the natural and the spiritual world. And we are reminded, Lord, of your words that you have spoken, so painful words in Hosea 4.6, that my people, you said, are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Father, I come against the spirit of ignorance, and in the name of Jesus Christ, I disperse it through the knowledge of your word. Let your light so shine deep within our hearts and our minds, and bring forth light and knowledge and truth that will set your people free. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. 
For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.